tonight, Pastor had mentioned it this morning, and tonight we are going to be we're going to be praying. I'm going to share a few things from the Word of God first, but just I know that He had it in His heart, and I do too. That it's so important that we stay ahead of ourselves in prayer. Our spiritual father used to always say that. You might say, well, what does that mean? Stay ahead of yourselves in prayer. Well, do you have anything going on in your life that needs to be prayed about? Do you have any decisions that need to be made? Well, sometimes we wait until a crisis happens or we wait until something shows up in our life and then we go, ah, I need to pray. But you know, it's better to develop a lifestyle a prayer where we're in constant communion and fellowship with him on a daily basis that we are praying and seeking his face. Amen. And then another man of God said this. He said the success of any Christian endeavor is based on the prayer behind it. The success. Do you all want success in your life? Do we all want to walk in God's best and in his goodness and whatever he puts in our hearts? Here at Heart of the Bay, the vision and the things that he has told us that he wants us to do and accomplish for him have to be bathed in prayer. It's not by my, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And anytime we get something on the inside of us from the spirit of God, we need to season that with prayer. Amen. Amen. And we need to realize as believers that when we do pray, that our prayers affect change and they make a difference not only in our lives but in the lives of those that we pray for it's definitely it's a privilege and it is an honor but it's also a responsibility for us as believers to pray to communicate with God to lift his word back up to him One man of God said that our prayers ought to be like a mirror reflecting God's word right back up to him. Amen. And when we know that we're praying in line with the word of God, we know that we're going to get those things that we desire and we prayed for for sure. So as I was uh, talking to the Lord and seeking the Lord about what direction, you know, when you say prayer, you can go a lot of different directions. But I just kept getting this in my heart. These two words, watch and pray. Watch and pray. So the definition of watch is this. To keep guard over, to tend, to wait expectantly, to keep informed about. That's a lot of information in one word. But watch, to keep guard over, to tend, to wait expectantly, to keep informed about. Now, in the natural, it's important that we stay informed about what's going on in the world a little bit. (laughs) You don't want to be too informed. You don't want to watch too much news, that's for sure, because some of it's not even accurate and most of it is bad. So you don't want to get too much information from the media and from other sources. But we as believers, where should we be getting our information from? From the Bible. We have inside information to everything that's going on in the world. And it is based upon the Bible. What does the Word of God say about this? What does the Word of God tell us to do when we are facing this in, this situation? And I'm thankful to know this, that I have a lot of wisdom 
on the inside of me because Jesus has been made unto me wisdom. We got the wisdom of God on the inside of us. Talk about inside information. Amen. We got the King of Kings on the inside of us. And this is good news. We're a lot smarter in here, in our spirit, than we are up here in our mind. And somebody ought to shout on that one. We do have the mind of Christ, but it's in here. Amen. We're a lot smarter on the inside because that's where he abides. So when we go to pray, we need to learn the importance of praying out of our heart, not our head and not our emotions. Because your heart knows things that your head doesn't. That's the value of praying in the Holy Ghost. And we will never quit emphasizing that here at Heart of the Bay. Because if you want to be effective in, in your walk with the Lord and in your prayer life, you need to develop your heavenly prayer language. Praying in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit, it's not just a way that we pray in tongues. Praying in the Spirit is a place that we pray from. It's that place where we are more conscious of God and more conscious of Him and the Spirit than we are the situations and the circumstances going on around us. Amen? Amen. So it's important to pray from here, from our heart. Well, how do you do that? Well, you listen to what the Holy Spirit puts on the inside of you. He is our heavenly guide. He is our teacher. We have a guide on the inside. And prayer really, you know, you think, well, my prayer is originating from me. I think I need to pray for this person. But when we're in tune with him, prayer really originates from God. He has things that he needs us to speak out in the earth today. And we get to be his mouthpiece. So he's got these things that need to be spoken about. Maybe something's going on around the world on the other side of the world. And he's looking for availability. He's looking for watchers. Those that are watching in the realm of the spirit and that are in tune with him. That will, he can drop that in your heart. And you may not even know what it is in the natural. You may not even speak words about it in your known language. But if you're available, you'll begin to speak out in the spirit and watch over that situation. So prayer, effective prayer, comes from him. It begins with him and he puts it in our heart. And then we out of our heart give utterance, divine utterance to the will, plan, And the purpose of God. Amen. Amen. So every one of us must take our prayer assignment seriously. And we must say, okay, God, you put this on my heart and I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to watch and pray over that situation. You know, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he took his disciples there with him. And this picture that we're about to read is of him there in the garden praying before they came to arrest him. Let's begin in Mark chapter 14 in verse 32. Then they came to a place 
which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him and began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Well, we already gave you the definitions of watch. He wanted them to wait expectantly. He wanted them to keep guard over. He wanted them to pray. What did Jesus do when he was facing, the Bible says, deeply distressed and troubled? What did he do? He prayed. What should we do? We should pray. Some of you might remember those bracelets. They were popular when our kids were teenagers. WW, what was it? What would Jesus do, right? (laughs) The initials on there. Well, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He sought the Father. He prayed. And that's what he did. He wanted them, his disciples, to do the same thing. And then it goes on in verse 35. He went a little further and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what you will. Jesus had flesh. He was 100% man, but he had uh, God, but he had a physical body. And his flesh did not want to go to the cross. His flesh did not want to endure the torment that he knew he was about to face. But he put his flesh under and he said, I don't want to do this, Lord, Father, if there's any other way. But if not, not my will, but thine be done. Aren't you thankful that he was completely submitted to the will of of his father. And I think what kept him there uh, on track, going through what he needed to go through, was he looked down through the eons of time and he saw you and he saw me. I love that song that Brother Copeland sings in every one of his meetings. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And that's the truth. Jesus died for you and for me. And it wasn't nails that kept him on the cross. It was his love for you and for me. So he completely submitted his will to the will of the father. Then it got verse 37. Then he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Couldn't you just keep guard? Couldn't you just be attentive for one hour? Jesus wanted the prayer support of those closest to him. Peter, James, and John. He left the others out in the outer part and he brought them with him. He needed faith buddies. You need faith buddies. You need prayer partners. Are you thankful for people that will come alongside you and agree with you when you're in a a difficult situation? Maybe you weren't here this morning and you don't know this, but today is Pastor Nancy's birthday. And Pastor Nancy has been my faith buddy and my prayer partner for 37 years. Yay. God bless her. God bless people that will stand with you during the difficult times. So Jesus was asking them, hey, 
You know, this is a difficult season for me. I needed your prayer support. But they they didn't give it to him. So he goes on here and he says, watch and pray. Verse 38, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Has anybody ever found that out? Your heart wants to do right. Your heart knows what's good. Your heart wants to, your heart says, get out of bed and go to church. And your flesh says, pull the covers over your head and sleep for another hour. My flesh was saying that this morning. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I got attacked with a little bit of a cold. But you know what? My flesh didn't win. Well, it sort of did. I didn't come to the 9 a.m. Came to the 11, though. Whoop. <laughs> So your flesh will fight what you, your heart wants to do. But I like how Jesus said this to them. He said, we need to watch and pray lest you enter in to temptations. We need to watch and pray over our lives. You need to set boundaries in your life. We all have trigger points. We all have people that we know will push that button. And if you're feeling vulnerable, don't get in a conversation with them. Set these boundaries so you don't enter in over and over and over again to the same temptation. If you've made the decision, okay, I'm going to cut off sugar, then don't go sit in a bakery. It's not going to be a good idea. You're going to fall into temptation. If you said, okay, I am not going to get in strife with that person. Well, then don't call him up on the phone and start talking politics. If that's a trigger point in your relationship that you always get off on and you always get into strife about. Watch yourself that you don't enter into temptation. You don't want things getting into your life that will hinder your spiritual growth. That will hinder the flow of life going out of you when you go to pray. Watch and pray over your own life. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't do that. Some things are like a slippery creek bank. You'll slide right on in. He said your flesh is weak. Has anybody discovered that? But our attitude ought to be flesh. You are not the boss of me. Amen. My spirit man is in charge. So then I want to look at verse 38 of that same chapter out of the Amplified. He said, keep awake, watch, pray constantly that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So when he says it a little differently here, keep awake. Awake is the opposite of asleep. He's saying, don't be asleep. Pray. Be awake. Be alert. Be on your guard. Hallelujah. Don't be clueless to what's going on around you. If you hire a watchman to guard over, maybe you have a business or whatever, you don't want to drive up to that business and they're sitting there sound asleep and people are just in there taking everything they want out of the business while the guard is just out there in his car getting a big snooze. No. 
If you have some, hire somebody to be a guard, you want them to be awake. You want them to be alert. You want them to be attentive. So Jesus is saying that we need to be the same way over our hearts. Be awake. Be alert. Be attentive to what you're allowing to come into your life and into your heart. Because the Bible says, out of the heart proceed the issues of life. It's Proverbs 4.23. You want life flowing out of you. When you're talking to people, when you're praying. So if life is going to flow out, that means life is going to have to flow in. So guard your eyes, guard your ears, what you allow in. It does affect our hearts. Amen. So we want to do what God has asked us to do. And we want to be alert and active Watching over our domain, us, of course, but our family, our homes, our cities, our state, our nation, our church. Watch and pray. In Isaiah, this is a real good picture of what a watchman is to do. Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7 in the New King James. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. And give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This passage of scripture has a dual meaning. Of course, it's talking about... Watching over Israel. They were to watch over the natural city of Jerusalem. But you and I, you know, we are blessed if we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So it's a good idea to watch over what's happening in Israel. And pray for the peace of Jerusalem that you might be blessed. Amen. Our two nations, the nation of Israel and the nation of America are really divinely connected because we serve the both. So both of us serve the same God. They don't have the revelation about Jesus, but really it was through Israel that Jesus came. We wouldn't have Christianity if it wasn't for the nation of Israel. So we're to bless them and we're to pray for them. Amen. But then this verse, it's also the dual meaning is us as believers are to be Watchmen. We're to be on our post, watching over our family. Do you pray for your family? Do you plead the blood of Jesus over your family? Do you send the angels of the Lord to be garrisoned about them on a regular basis? Well, we should be. There's power in prayer. There's power in speaking the word over your family. We are watchmen. You know, I love you. I love your kids. I love your family. But I don't love your kids as much as you love your kids. I'm not going to pray for them as much as you ought to be praying for them. Now that might sound mean. That's not mean. But that is your territory. That is your dominion. That is your responsibility. 
Our faith buddies come alongside with us and hook up with us. But we have these people in our hearts. And so we ought to be watching over them and praying over their lives. Amen. Pray over your church. Pray over your city, your state, your nation, the schools, your business. Hallelujah. We need to have people that will be on their prayer post. You've got kids that are going to be starting back up to school. Take it seriously to pray over those schools. Grandkids, schools in your neighborhood. If you live there, that's part of your territory and your domain. Go drive around those schools. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Put the angels of the Lord to work and say no hurt, no harm is going to come to any of these kids. No terrorist attack is going to come nigh this school in the name of Jesus. Your place of business. You might work with a bunch of unsaved heathens. But you know what? God's got you there for a reason. You're light in a dark place. Let the light shine. Rise up and be the light. Rise up and speak life. Amen. Use your God-given authority. We need to, when we pray, realize that we are praying from a place of victory. We are praying from a place of we've got this. In the name of Jesus, we are praying from a high place. The Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter two, verse six. This is verse four, actually. This is our position in prayer. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And this is where you are positionally. We're talking now about your prayer position raised up together and made to sit Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we pray from. This seat, this place of authority, far above the principalities and the powers, far above the rulers of darkness of this world and of this age. If you take off in an airplane, which I'm sure everybody in here has flown somewhere, you take off in an airplane and the higher you go, the smaller things down below begin to look. You might start off in an airplane and say, oh, I think that's my car or my house or whatever. But the higher you go, you can't tell. Those objects below get smaller. And that's how it should be in our walk with Jesus and in our prayer life. The higher we go in him, the smaller those lies and those objects and those distraction of the enemy get. We do not, when we go to pray, we don't pray from a place of desperation. We don't pray from a place of despair. That doesn't mean that 
you know, if you're facing something awful that you can't just get in the presence of God and just cry and pour your heart out. Of course you can, but don't stay in that place. End on a note of victory. This is going on. This is how my emotions feel right now. But Lord, I'm rising up right now in the name of Jesus. I'm coming up above this situation. I'm coming up, raised up together with you. Hallelujah. And I am going to pray from a note of victory. Sing the end result. Amen. Ian Bond said this in prayer, you align yourself to the purpose and power of God. He is able to do things through you. He could not do otherwise for God has left certain things open to prayer. Things which will never be done except we pray. When we pray, we are doing God's business. Now, religious thinking will go, I don't know if I believe that. What do you mean? He, when we pray, he's doing things that he couldn't do otherwise. Because we have this relationship with him. We have this privilege to speak out what he wants to do in the earth. Prayer is doing business with God. Your personal relationship with God affects your business relationship with him. Did you get that? Prayer is doing business with God. And our personal relationship with him. How connected you are to the vine. How much you know and meditate on your authority of a believer. Of who you are in Christ and where you are seated. Your personal relationship with him affects your business relationship with him. Prayer is doing God's business. Are you a good business person for the Lord? Amen. Well, I believe that the church and this church is rising up. We are taking our place and our position of authority. And we are watching over areas that he has assigned us to watch over. Amen. Are you willing to do that? Are you doing that in Jesus name? So this prayer position that we've been talking about. It's not a physical position. You can sit. You can stand. You can walk. You can run. And you can kneel. Unless you've had double knee replacement surgery. Yesterday was one year since my surgery. Hallelujah. Look at me now. Glory to God. So I can run and I can leap. Kneeling is still not a good idea, but I bow before the Lord in my heart. (laughs) But it's not your prayer position is not about a physical position. It's about a heart condition. Our heart needs to be humbly bowed before him. Our heart needs to be in tune with him. Amen. Amen. Because we know that it's out of the heart that effective, fervent prayer flows. 
Let me read you one last scripture here. In James chapter 5, verse 16, out of the Amplified. The first part of this says, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. We usually skip over that, or at least I do a lot of times, because I like the second part of it. But really, what this, this is important, because if, you, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, he's saying, you're not going to get healed. And if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, it's going to hinder the power that's flowing through you in prayer. And then he says, pray for one another. The best way to get over offense. If somebody has rubbed you the wrong way or you've been tempted to take resentment about something they said or did. You know, this scripture is good right here. Pray for one another. The best way to get rid of all of that is just pray for them. You cannot earnestly pray for somebody and stay in unforgiveness toward them. Pretty soon as you're praying for them, there's going to be an overwhelming love that's going to come up in your heart. How do I know this? <laughs> I've had lots of opportunities to practice it. Not on anybody in here. Y'all are so loving and so kind. But I've had opportunities to pray for those that despitefully use you. To pray for those that offend you. And you know what begins to happen when you pray for them? Love. And these things will begin to come up in your heart. You know, I'm sure they didn't really mean it that way they said it. I'm sure that wasn't really their motive. And love begins to think the best as you're praying for them. So that first part of that verse is... Important. Then the rest part. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. There are certain prayers that need to be prayed often and need to be prayed continuously. How about for our nation? How about for our leaders? How about for the lost? Amen. We need to be praying over people that don't know the Lord. He will give us divine utterance that will help us to get inroads into people's hearts. That word dynamic is a word that we get dynamite from. What does dynamite do? Dynamite blows up hindrances. Dynamite gets rocks and boulders out of the way. We might not even be on the West Coast today if somebody didn't get the idea to blow up some rocky mountains so they could build some roads through there. Dynamite provided an avenue for roads to be made, inroads to be made through the Rocky Mountains so this west part of our nation could be established and to be settled. Words from the Holy Ghost, divine utterance are like dynamite and they blow up hindrances in people's hearts and minds. The Bible says it's the God of this world. It's Satan that has blinded the minds of people. 
the eyes of people lest they see the glorious gospel. I truly believe if people, if the darkness and the deception and the blindness of the enemy was removed off of most people's eyes and hearts, they'd say, Jesus, Jesus, you're good. Jesus is Lord. Who wouldn't want to accept this wonderful, loving Jesus? People that are deceived. People that are walking in spiritual darkness. But you and I have the tool. It's called effective, fervent, heart felt prayer and it causes inroads into the hearts that are seemingly so hard we should never say things like their heart is too hard there it's too difficult they'll never want to receive Jesus they'll never respond they'll never change that's not what the Bible says our God is a God with whom all things are are possible. And I wrote this down. When we are praying hooked up with what's in our heart under the unction and the utterance of the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. Divine utterance creates divine entrance. Divine utterance creates divine entrance. What does that mean? The Holy Ghost knows exactly how to reach into everybody's heart. If I were to go down this row and ask all of you how you got born again, some of you'd probably say a family member, a friend. I went, how did you get born again? It was a friend. A friend. How'd you get born again? Relative. How'd you get born again? A friend. A friend. How'd you get born again? In your bedroom, by yourself, calling out to God. The Holy Ghost gives divine utterance that produces divine entrance. And whether you knew, all of you on this row, whether you knew the person that was praying for you or not, somewhere God had somebody praying for every single one of us. Whether they knew you by name. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. He's searching and he sees hungry hearts. And he puts it in a believer to speak out. And to start praying. And then the Holy Spirit causes divine connections. And divine appointments. And he gives somebody divine utterance. And entrance is made into those hard hearts. And people receive the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that? I'm thankful. Lord, we're thankful for the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are thankful that we get to work with you. We get to be your instruments. Y'all just stand. We've talked enough. Lord, we're thankful. For the help of the Holy Spirit, we are thankful, Lord.